Again, troll toys and boys, Alyssa here and Brianna, welcoming you back to the esteemed podcast celebrating the cinematic genius that is the Tenth Kingdom. The Tenth Kingdom. <laughs> Brianna, would you like to tell us where we left off from our last episode? Sure, but before we get there, are there any corrections we need to make? I don't think so. I can't think of any. Okay, cool. Well, you can write us and let us know if there's something we were like, "Oops, we were forgot. We forgot. We were supposed to tell you this next time." Just let us know, and then we'll remember that. Hopefully. Next time. (laughs) So, okay. Episode three. We've made it this far. We're about an hour and a half into The Tenth Kingdom, the epic fantasy TV miniseries um, that premiered in the year 2000. So, hopefully you know that, because you're in episode three, and uh, you listen to episodes one and two. But if not, welcome. We are going to discuss the plot of the next 45 minutes of film, But yes, as Alyssa cued me in, I will tell you where we left off. Where did we leave off? Tony, he's in prison. Um, And Prince is stuck in the governor's suite of the Snow White Memorial Prison. And the governor is like trying to poison him. So Tony's trying to rescue him. And then Virginia and Wolf, let's see, where are they? They were escaping from the Third Kingdom, which is where all the trolls are. Wolf rescued Virginia, and now they're making their way back to Snow White Memorial Prison to try to get Tony and presumably Prince out of jail. So that is where we left off. All right, well, we might as well forge ahead. Yeah. Let's keep going. Okay. Um, Well, I guess in our past episodes, we've been going, like, plot by plot and telling you what exactly happens as it happens. And, like, then they cut to this scene, then they cut to that scene. Um, But this episode, we're just going to give you the bullet points, and then we'll spend the majority of our time kind of talking about our favorite parts and getting into our standard segments like Lord Rupert's Fashion Corner and such. Okay, so, where'd we leave off? We left off with Tony in prison, and Prince is um, going to be poisoned by the governor, so Tony wants to rescue him. Um, so, while he's doing that, um, we or Prince finds out that um, the governor is informed that the um, basement door was open. So, that's where the mirror was, and where they transferred transported into the Tenth Kingdom. So they think maybe the queen escaped that way or something. So the prisoner's like, okay, hush, hush, we gotta get rid of all that junk in the basement. Um, So we'll assign, like, a work duty to just clean it out. Um, Tony is assigned to the work duty because Prince um, writes his name on there, and we have a great segment towards the end of the pod um, where we'll delve into that a little bit more. Um, But basically, he's on the duty um, to clean out the uh, basement and he ends up throwing the mirror on like a little trash barge so we know where the mirror's at. Um, meanwhile Virginia and Wolf make their way over with the magic shoes and uh, eventually they are able to go inside, turn Prince invisible, go find Tony. Tony has actually used an escape tunnel that his Sully's acorn and Clayface the goblin had been making for the past 31 years. Uh, he gets to escape with them because um, he's like he like walks in on them and they're like oh no um, but he's like guys I won't tell like I want to escape too so he is uh, stuck in the escape tunnel and Virginia and Wolf are able to um, find him get him out of that and then 
Um, he's like, oh, great, the mirror, it's on this river, let's go. And, we'll, you know, all of our problems are solved. We'll escape this prison and we'll have our mirror and we'll, we'll be good. But turns out Acorn the Dwarf stole the trash barge boat. So now the mirror is out of grasp for what will be the first uh, time about out of ten times. Yeah. <laughs> show progresses. They always, like, get close and then manage to snag it maybe. And then it gets uh, a little farther away from their grasp. So. Definitely a recurring theme Yeah, there. definitely. <laughs> kind of the catalyst for the whole entire adventure. So yes, it's needed. It keeps it going. It does. <laughs> so um, now we have our three main heroes. And they are, um, plus Prince, they're on this trash barge. They're able, or not the trash barge. They find a different boat. And they sail away on this little river. Um away from Snow White Memorial Prison, away from the three troll kids who are after them, and um, they just start making their way upstream trying to follow Acorn. So um, that's where we kind of leave off with them at that point. Do you want to fill us in on what the Queen has been doing up till now? Yeah, so the Queen has been hiding out in a run-down, decrepit old castle. She is right now using her magic mirrors to communicate with Relish the Troll King and um, also trying to communicate with Wolf and the companions that he has, but for some reason her magic's being thwarted in that sense. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. So that means there's like a secret protector <laughs> or something um, for Prince Virginia and Tony. We'll find out more about that as the movie goes on. Yeah. About the second time, I think it's the second time, the Queen summons Relish. He gets really pissed because apparently it hurts to be summoned by the queen <laughs> yeah. through her magic mirror. And you see Relish is on the coronation throne in Beantown. Beantown. Our favorite beanie town. <laughs> yeah, the beaniest town around. <laughs> Visit if you haven't. And he tells the queen basically to STFU because um, he's going to war with the fourth kingdom. Yeah. Not very smart, Troll King. Not smart at all. Gonna cross that evil queen doesn't bode well. Never does. So, meanwhile, on the boat, um, Tony, Virginia, Wolf, and uh, Prince, they are making their way to Rivertown. They um, eventually get there, but on their journey, um, you see a scene where, um, like Alyssa said, the queen tries to summon Wolf and talk to him and then there's also a bit where Tony gets um there's a magic fish on board of this boat for some reason and if you put your finger in the fish's mouth it'll um I guess turn your finger into gold and all you touch can be gold and there's like a fun little poem so Tony does that of course and now he has a little gold finger uh they make their way to um as they make their way to Rivertown uh Prince just jumps out of the boat and goes swimming towards that decrepit castle where the queen is at and while the queen is there like having these discussions with troll king and trying to figure out like where the prince is and all that stuff um she's also trying to uh train the dog in prince wendell's body on how to pass as human so i guess prince can somehow tell that his human body's there so he jumps off the boat and is like woohoo i'm gonna go get my body back um but virginia and the gang they decide to proceed on to rivertown um, so they get there, and they look for uh, Wendell some, but really they're looking for Acorn. And then they meet somebody who bought all of the junk, for the most part, on that boat that Acorn stole and bought the boat. And uh, he tells Acorn 
or he tells them that Acorn like got a cart from him and is now like going down the forest road. So they're like, oh great, now we gotta go down this forest road and find Acorn. So, um, let's see. I think that's really the major plot points. Um, oh, at the end of uh, their time in Rivertown, um, Wendell does find Prince and he's being chased by the three troll kids. And lo and behold, he uses his magic golden finger and touches the troll kids, or maybe Wendell, I don't know if it says. But they turn into like a gold statue. Um, so it's all the three troll kids like grasping or like touching Wendell's tail. Um, and they're all gold now. So now our golden prince, he's a golden prince, literally. <laughs> um, and they now have a, a little doggy skateboard type thing uh, that they stick him on. And now they're off their journey through the woods. Um, ooh, let's talk about the huntsman because he comes up in this. Yes. Yeah, the queen. She has, like, you know, Snow White's queen. She had the huntsman to go after Snow White. Well, this evil queen has a huntsman as well who's, like, super loyal to her for some reason, um, which we'll find out later. And uh, she puts him on the hunt for uh, Prince Wendell because she uh, does not have much confidence in her kids. Yeah. So he is after them as well. Yeah, and she just can't be seen out and about chasing down of course, <laughs> the yeah, four. <laughs> so she does get what I like to call Anthony Hopkins doppelganger. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to hunt them. The amazing Rutger Hauer, which uh, I think we, yeah, you definitely thought it was <laughs> Anthony Hopkins for an embarrassing long amount of time. I did. They look very similar, to be honest. You know, like the very long, straight, silver hair kind of. Well, know? yeah, they're both great actors. Yeah. So. <laughs> you can excuse me for being confused. <laughs> so now they're in the forest, um, and Tony's dragging the little skateboard thing with. Um, Wendell on it, uh, he's like attached at the paws, like to the skateboard thing, and they're, uh, you know, they go off the beaten path from some advice from a lady that they ran into. A crone, I would say. <laughs> yeah, that's a good word. <laughs> um, and uh, we'll end this, our 45 minutes segment ends when they discover a camp in the woods, and there is a group of gypsy people. Um, we don't know if we're being offensive when we say that. We In the story, they call them gypsies, but I don't think it's associated with the Romani people or culture at all. Um, it's more like a caravan and fortune tellers and kind of mm-hmm. magic-y type nomad people. Um, Definitely so, the nomad part, because they're hunters themselves. Yes, and they like live throughout the dis- disenchanted forest. So, But if we are being offensive, we apologize. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> Okay, so that really is our plot. Let's get in them juicy bits. (laughs) Juicy bits. (laughs) I like this part. (laughs) Okay, so let's talk about, like, our favorite scenes uh, from this section. Um, First of which, for me, while they're escaping, is whenever (laughs) Tony's, like, in the tunnel, he gets stuck because, you know, the guys who built it uh, for 31 years was, like, a really, really super tall, stretched out, like, (laughs) goblin guy, and then uh, Acorn the Dwarf, who's, like, tiny. (laughs) So... Average Joe, dad bod, you know, middle-aged man. Tony doesn't fit in the tunnel so well, and he got stuck. Um, and uh, whenever Wolf, Virginia, and Prince come in behind him, Wolf uh, comes up to him and, like, sniffs his butt and is like, Tony, is that you? And I was like, that's so funny. That's such good writing. One, because 
Um, you know, wolf is like half dog, and dogs sniff each other's butt to say hello. Yeah. But it's just like I don't know, just really funny. <laughs> it's it's funny, and like later he mentions. Yes, Prince. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Prince mentions um, to Tony that he could tell it was him or something because he had like has like a distinct unwashed smell. <laughs> so poor Tony's just like stinking and getting all the hate. <laughs> I mean, can you blame him? He was running for his life in Central Park. I know, right? From the cops. And now uh, he's been in prison for two days and he jailbroke that MFR. Like, hello. He's like, you know, pretty pretty talented. He's talented, (laughs) but he probably stinks. Yeah. For real. And unfortunately, Wolf had to get a full face of that. (laughs) Yeah. But Wolf is nice enough to push his booty and get him unstuck from the tunnel. So they all tumble out of the side of Snow White Memorial Prison. (laughs) Um, But they're all together again. So yay. They are, and then we see <laughs> Clayface's parting gift yes. comes in um, a little bit after that, but we get to see what he gave Tony. Yeah, so you remember that, um, like, the soapstone that we described him uh, <laughs> carving for, you know, his hobby and his cell? <laughs> well, apparently he's finished the carving, and he gives it to Tony before he, like, jumps in the river and swims away um, to escape the prison. And uh, Tony looks at it, and it's, like, a little... Um, like a little pedestal with like four figurines on top. One's a dog, so Prince Wendell. One looks like a lady, sort of, so we think that's Virginia. <laughs> One's like really tall, looks kind of like Lurch. If you pause the screen, I think that's Wolf, maybe? <laughs> yeah, it was like a foot on the little tiny Tony yeah. version. <laughs> and then the other little figure is like a little rotund, so we assume that it's uh, Tony. But it has an engraving on there that says, The Four Who Saved the Nine Kingdoms. And you're just like, what? You're like, what? What so, does that mean? Yeah, so I guess goblins are like prophetic or can have premonitions or something, or apparently carving is their way to see the future, perhaps. <laughs> Very strange way to hone your, I don't know, magic. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I always thought that was really cool as a kid, and always kind of expected there to be more, um, like the four who saved the nine kingdoms, like. I don't know, I just expected there to be, like, more plot details about them, like, being hailed as the four who saved the Nine Kingdoms, like, well, no, we don't want to get into any spoilers, but yeah. they do end up slaving in the day, um, <laughs> and then are kind of, like, celebrated in the end, but, um, I don't know, I just always thought that there would be more of it, like, maybe more, so yeah, goblins are prophetic, kind of cool. But you're right, I think it does leave a little bit, like, to the yeah, imagination. Yeah, it makes it a little more mystical. Yeah. Um, so, anyway. Uh, let's see, next, what are your favorite river scenes, like, when they're on boats and stuff? Well, they have a bunch of good ones, but my favorite, I think, is the Brothers Give yeah. scenes. <laughs> Anything with the trolls. Um, the lice. Oh, yes, yeah, so the three trolls, when they're in the boat, like, you know, tailing after uh, the others. Um... I think it's Blabberwort tells um, Bluebell, uh, like, quit eating your head lice. And he's like, I'm not eating. I'm just holding it under my tongue. <laughs> yeah, that's a great that's so funny. dynamic you get to it's, see. It's like, uh, their hair, I would believe they have lice. Um, because their <laughs> hair, you know, as we have said, is, like, very unbrushed. But lice are supposed to like dirty heads. So, you know, that's that means true. that they do wash. So that's good to know. That's very true. <laughs> and I like, too, that it seems like Bluebell? is 
kind of the baby of the family. Yeah, for sure. He doesn't have to row. Like, <laughs> Flower and him are like, row faster. And he's like, my hands are bleeding. I've been rowing all night. But then they're just telling, you know, him not to eat his lice. So I like that he kind of gets to relax a little bit. Yeah. What are those thigh pads for then, man? <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> uh, I think a good boat scene is when... Um, our heroes are on the boat and they're uh, reading, or Wolf is reading his self-help book and it's called Women Who Love Men Who Hate Women. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like asking him Virginia questions that he's like reading about. So he's still working on himself, you know, uh, reading his self-help books and then he throws it overboard. But like, what a litter bug. Yeah, that's rude. Um, <laughs> and speaking of rude, Tony throws his little statue overboard, too. Yeah, his prophetic stone. I know, like, <laughs> what the hell? Like, Clayface just whittled that. <laughs> you know, like, <sighs> just rude. Rude Tony. Um, Nobody appreciates things in this film. <laughs> yeah. Um, another good plot point is, oh, with the magic fish. Yeah, that whole scene is really good. Yeah, uh, and Tony, like, it's he's going to break the glass so that he can uh, stick his finger in the magic fish. <laughs> Whatever. He, you can tell it. <laughs> he uh, covers it up by just yelling the word cough. Yes. <laughs> and Virginia's onto him immediately because she can see right through that or hear right through that. Yeah, it's so funny. <laughs> but, yeah, I like the fish's aquarium in the boat. Yes, it kind of reminds me of those dioramas like we used to make. Yes. Um, like, you know, when you get, like, a little shoebox, you make, like, a little scene, you, like, color the background. That's kind of what it looks like, but, like, a really good masterful version. Yeah, like the adult version. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it has, like, the really cool crystals on the bottom, and then it has painted background, and then the fish is on, like, two little pegs. And the fish, you think it's, like, stuffed or something, but then it winks at you. So yeah. you're like, ooh, it's still, like, magically alive or something. It definitely makes me wonder... Why was that boat at the Snow White Memorial Prison? <laughs> like, who took the time to make this awesome fish diorama? Yeah, and they, it has, like, a panel. Like, it covers it up, so they only get to it because, like, Tony hits his head on something and, like, opens it. Yeah, so they took the time to hide it. Maybe they didn't know. Maybe it's just, like, an artifact of old, kind of like how the mirror was just shoved in a basement. That could be. So that even the owner that they stole this boat from maybe didn't even know potentially. Yeah, otherwise, like uh, Tony says, like he could have been living in some like ten or nine kingdoms condo or whatever, <laughs> four kingdom condominiums or whatever. That's true, the <laughs> pile of gold in his backyard. Yeah, so interesting. Um, so yeah, screaming cough as he breaks the glass. Just classic Tony. I love it. <laughs> Just doesn't care about consequences and is going to try to get that money. Yeah. As usual. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, and one of Tony's lines, whenever uh, he has his golden finger, he calls it the finger of fortune. <laughs> I've always loved it. Yeah, he gets really excited for this gold finger. Yeah. If only he knew what if it was going to do. Um, okay, so what are your favorite queen scenes? We got a lot of good scenes with the queen and, like, relish and stuff. I love the queen scenes. Queen scenes. <laughs> they, she is a... Stone Cold Negotiator. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> when she summons Relish that second time, and they're talking to each other, she um, she tries to tell him that if he keeps on with the plan or the path that he's headed towards, it's going to end in destruction. Yeah, and she's AKA fucking up all of her plans. Yes, like really badly. I mean, he's pillaging an entire town, Beantown. Mm-hmm. And she makes a comment, she says the word ensue, and his immediate questions, what's ensue mean? 
And then she says, you need to leave now. And he says, I might and I might not. And I just love that scene because it's like every seventh graders come back like for yeah. 2005. <laughs> You're so right. Or he's like, I might, I might not. I might like, not. Yeah, just being super annoying. Yes. Yeah, so that like, uh, his just like pompousness, I guess, is like just comes through really good. It does. Yeah. He's perfect <laughs> in that scene. And the queen goes ballistic after yeah. that. I love... Um, when it shows her it shows her magic mirrors that she's like communicating with relish and then she's Mm -hmm. she communicates with wolf with one and she's like talking to one trying to figure out like well why can't you show me the his traveling wolf's traveling companions and stuff um but it shows like close-ups of the mirrors which before we had seen the mirrors when she was digging them up from being like buried in the dilapidated castle um but now she's actually like using them and stuff and uh Props to the prop guy because these yeah. mirrors are really cool and they look like creepy and like black magic y. <laughs> One has uh, the frame is just like a bunch of severed hands <laughs> with like a creepy like black snake running through them. Um, so it's like, it's just cool how much detail they put into that. They put a lot of effort into those mirrors. Yeah. They all have their own like personalities and. Yeah, and I wonder, ooh, I wonder if we could find them maybe on the wiki like. Where she says, like, one mirror to travel, one mirror to remember, one mirror to forget. Like, I wonder yeah. if their design choices, like, kind of match up to that. I would say they probably they do. They probably do. I don't know what the snakes and hand one's for, but... <laughs> I don't know either. Was that Atlas? Yeah, there's also? one. Yeah, I think that's the same one where it's, like, an Atlas. Like, he has the mirror on his, like, a human body with, like, the mirror strapped on his, his like, shoulder, like his Atlas. Yeah. Um... Uh, and that then, one's for summoning, clearly. So, yeah, I mean, there oh. are ties. Yeah, and then um, the other one that was cool, it, like, looks like a bunch of, like, gnarled, like, tree branches or roots or something. And they're all, like, spiky and pointy and twisty and, like, um, form, uh, like, kind of a crown around the mirror frame. Yeah, what so, mirror is that? I can't remember. I don't we'll have I don't to rewatch know. it. Yeah, we'll have to rewatch, guys. <laughs> and try to figure out which mirror's which. But anyway, like I said, props to the prop guy because they're really cool looking. Um, let's see, I think one of our other favorite queen scenes, uh, is when she's trying to teach the dog in Prince Wendell's body how to act human, because she needs him to pass off as Prince Wendell during the coronation, mm-hmm. and this is where she kind of lays out, like, you're going to be tested, like, your bravery and stuff, so we need, to, like, you to act like a normal human. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and so she's, like, um, she walks in on him, like, well, actually, I don't know if she sees it, but... He's like walking on all fours and like lifts his leg to pee. Yeah, <laughs> like she. Thing. I think she does see that part, maybe. <laughs> or maybe I don't know. And she's like, "Why won't you stand up?" And he's like, "I'm afraid I'll fall. It's so tall or so high." <laughs> I love that scene too because the queen she almost has like an endearing soft spot for the prince. Yeah, it's like the most patient she shows anybody is to the dog, which makes sense because he was like her companion for the past however many years in prison. Yeah, it was she, like literally yeah. the only live like thing she had contact with because, you know, she was so isolated in her cell and stuff, so. That's true. It's against her evil queen nature, though. I don't know how I feel about it. And it's, like, the most, not that she's maternal, but she's, like, uh, it's the most, I guess, patient we've seen. But really, it's means to an end for her. She needs him to be able to pass off as Wendell for her whole grand scheme to work, so. And she would know that the best way to get him, you know, trained, per se, is Mm -hmm. through kindness, not punishment yeah, giving him time but she does threaten him because she's like you know you won't eat you'll starve until you figure out how to use this knife and fork and that scene is so good the actor who plays uh wendell daniel lapain he is just like 
he was like amazingly good at portraying like a dog in a human body. Yes, it's kind of scary how good he is. At yes, it. I remember though when we used to watch this. I there was a couple of times at dinner I definitely recreated that <laughs> cutting scene and just yeah, just like chop everything, lettuce would be flying, like the sauce everywhere. Yeah. But he's really trying, so yeah. it's it's sweet. Uh, and he says really funny stuff, like um, translating it all from Duck Dog speaking. Yes, I want a bowl of water. <laughs> She's like a glass of water. Yeah, and then he rolls his eyes at her. Look, a glass of water. <laughs> yeah. Fine. <laughs> oh, he kind of gives into her a little bit, to her face, but we still see a lot of his uh, dog. Yeah. Traits. What do you think would be like the hardest thing to learn how to like? Like, if you were a dog who's transformed into a human body, like, how, what do you think the hardest thing to learn would be? Oh my gosh. I'd be like, speech? I can talk? Like, what is this? <laughs> Communicate? Yeah. People know what I mean? Like, yeah. like that's a good one. I'm all of a sudden sentient? Like. <laughs> I think, like you said earlier, uh, sort of about dogs, like, sniffing butts, I think. <laughs> Not getting why people were mad if I was yeah. trying to do that to them or something. To like, using them. your own care, your dog characteristics in a human body and not understanding why it was wrong. Yeah, like your social... Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> everything, every interaction. I think definitely like riding a bike would be really hard to figure out. Um, cooking for yourself. Cooking, yeah. Um, well, he's a prince, I guess, so that's one good thing. That's true. But if we were transformed to dogs, we yeah, wouldn't be princes. Um, I think too, like it shows like she tries to teach him how to ride a horse at some point, mm -hmm. um, or is about to, and like I feel like that would be really scary to do as a dog in a human yeah, body. Yeah, he's terrified in that scene. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. I think, I guess just everything would be really hard. Yeah, like learning how to use thumbs and like your limbs and stuff, like to write or to, um, you know, even hold glasses and like just all of a sudden yeah. it's like, but I feel like, yeah, that transition's a lot harder than uh, human Wendell being in the dog's body. Yeah, the only side effect he seems to have really is some memory issues later, but he's not, mm -hmm. you know, trying to relearn how to live. Yeah, or how to like walk. Exactly. It makes it so difficult. So I was, I feel bad for the poor Juggy. I do too. And he's already had such a sad life living in that cell with the queen. I know, right? With the only evil queen for company? Jeez. Starving to death for days on end now. Or I <laughs> yeah. guess that's Wendell. That's, Chris Wendell. That's true. But who knows how much they were feeding the dog and yeah. living he was in the prison. Um, what's the other favorite queen scenes? I love, love, love when, uh, the queen bitch slaps all three troll kids at the same time. Yeah, that you is can just, oh, so fierce. Feel it through the screen. Yeah, you really can. <laughs> um, and they're just, like, totally used to corporal punishment from their dads. Yeah. So they're like, oh, we'll try to be better. Like, I feel so bad for them. Like, <laughs> I do too. And they don't, aren't even phased when she goes from slapping them to, if you don't succeed, I'm going to make you eat each other's hearts. And they're like, okay. Sure thing, queen. <laughs> we'll go to Rivertown right now. Yeah, because she does end up telling them, like, oh, I know that they're really close in Rivertown. And Burley has a pretty funny comment. Yeah, he's like, oh, that's a stroke a lot. Which is <laughs> <laughs> so true. Yeah, so funny. <laughs> so we get some comic relief, and then we get told they're going to eat each other's hearts. So yeah. that's a little... <laughs> All right, what's your favorite, um, there's not really any scenes in Rivertown, really, that's kind of just, like, a transition scene, so what's your favorite, like, forest scene? Like, they're in the forest. I um, guess right at the beginning. Yeah, mine too, mine's when they meet that traveling lady. Yeah, the crone. The crone, <laughs> yeah, she's like, um, 
just like a traveler that they meet um, on the way. Um, oh, but before we get there, let's talk about breakfast because breakfast. <laughs> there's oh, a breakfast scene. Um, oh yeah, it is. So they like, I guess they camped out in the forest um, for the night and now they're like waking up for breakfast or whatever and Tony's like cooking the bacon and Wolf's doing his affirmations to himself <laughs> from his like, uh, you know, his, his psychological readings <laughs> and um, he can like smell Tony burning the bacon and stuff and gets mad about it. Um, but there's like a great scene where he like builds his bacon sandwich and he's talking about um, just like his love for bacon, I guess. He and, writes a little poem. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he's like, baste it, roast it, toast it, nibble it, chew it, bite right through it, wobble it, gobble it, wrap it around a couple of chickens, and I am ravenous. <laughs> and I just think Scott Cohen just, he just delivers the scene so well because yes. you like get excited that like, oh, Wolf is eating this bacon. He's like super pumped about it. And then you look at Virginia and Tony and they're both like lost their appetites because he like has tried to scarf down this big ass bacon sandwich. <laughs> Yeah, they're definitely disgusted. Yeah, and we're reminded again that uh, uh, Wolf is definitely like a morning person. <laughs> yeah, what's that about? Yeah, because he, well, when does he sleep? Because wolves are like, maybe nocturnal, I guess. I don't know about yeah, a lot about wolves, though. But he, like, tells Virginia that he, like, slept under the starry night sky when they're on the boat, and he wakes up, and he's, like, super chipper. Um, and then yeah. that the night that they spend in the forest... He, um, like, approaches Virginia after the whole bacon sandwich thing um, and tells her, like, oh, look around you. Like, look at everything you missed last night. There was, like, me and a doe watched the sunrise. And over here there was, like, a badger. And over here was a fox. And so he, like, tells her about the literal entire goings on <laughs> of the night. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, when does he sleep? Minute by minute playthrough. But yeah, maybe he sleeps with one eye open or something. Yeah, or maybe he just his wolfy senses. He, I don't know, maybe he's a light yeah. sleeper and just can... He's one with the animals, let's suppose. Well, that, that would make sense, too. And maybe it comes around once a month, you know, with this, yeah, with this time. lunar cycle. Yeah, he's just, like, more in tune with nature um, and sleeps less, maybe. But that's a good thing to touch on, too, is, like, he, like, pulls Virginia to the side and is telling her, like, all the things she missed that night. Um, and she's, like, like, I guess it's supposed to be, like, him, like, seducing her, kind of? Like, mm -hmm. he's, well, maybe not seducing her, but she's, like, super into him. More so than she's ever been so far, like, whenever he's, like, telling her about uh, all the stuff she missed uh, that night before. Yeah, and I'd be offended if someone did that to me, I Yeah, think. like, she's like, fine, I stand corrected. But, like, she, like, likes that he, I guess, maybe opened her eyes to something she never really, really noticed before, especially as a NYC gal. She's probably not, you know, looking at a lot of wildlife except <laughs> the dog she ran over in Central Park. Well, that would explain why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> never seen a dog in a yeah. before or something. <laughs> She's not really in tune with uh, the world around her, maybe, because... I don't know. That's it. Yeah, I think maybe she's getting more in touch with nature in general, this whole movie. And herself, so... Yeah. Um, so I like that Wolf is slowly, like, winning her over and uh, showing her this, like, whole new world that she's never really, you know, looked at before. Every time you can see Virginia on screen developing like a bigger crush or just kind of going more towards his side he's always kind of blunt and being a little mean to her in a sense though <laughs> i think that's kind of weird psychologically i wonder yeah if there's anything behind that yeah but yeah you're right because um well yeah in this scene especially she's like he's like kind of rude about it he's like correcting yeah. her at first and then she's like okay i stand corrected and she's and like wins him over same with the shoes 
you know, why could you resist them when she asked him? He's like, well, because you want to be invisible. Like, that's kind of harsh. Yeah, and he literally just grabs them and throws them overboard. Yeah. And then she's like, what'd you do that for? And then, of course, once he says, like, you know, opens her eyes, she's like, oh. She's like, oh, you could resist them and I couldn't. Yeah. So he just, like, totally opens her eyes to lots of things, I think. Yeah, that's a good scene. Um, Okay, so they finish their bacon sandwiches and stuff. (laughs) And then next, they're, like, going into the woods. And they get a hot tip from a teacher on the road. A Mr. Miyagi type. Yeah. <laughs> There's this uh, crone type lady, and she's carrying, like, a bundle of sticks and stuff, and she gives Virginia a lesson, and the Virginia has to pay for the lesson, of course, and gives her, like, a bunch of bacon sandwiches, or two of them or whatever, and Tony says, ah, Virginia, you have such a soft touch, meaning, like, Virginia, you keep giving our shit away, or, like, Virginia, you keep doing these things that you shouldn't be doing to help other people out that put us behind. But, like, that's the first time she ever really does that. Yeah, and only, I think. Yeah, like, Perhaps. since when has she had a soft touch? <laughs> like, this is the first time she's ever been shown to be, like, charitable. I guess other than when she crashed her bike into a dog and took him in. Which, but, yeah, that's, like, a moral obligation. I mean, really. Yeah, <laughs> so, I don't know. Uh, so we'll have to pay attention as we go on. Um, to see if maybe this is her, like, a turning point for her where she's becoming more charitable, or is it actually, like, something that she has been all along? This is just the first time we see it. Yeah, we might just be outsiders looking in, maybe. I mean, Tony, I guess, knows her from childhood. Yeah. We don't, def- we don't, she doesn't even remind him where his dinner is in the first <laughs> opening scene. She, she tells him it's on the microwave, but yeah, he doesn't, <laughs> when he asks, she totally ignores him. Yeah, just walk away, <laughs> and then she, like, goes through the park against his wishes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. She doesn't take those people's orders. No. Like, she, that person's still waiting for his diet. Yeah. Five margaritas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whatever his wife wants. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, she has a soft touch. She gives this lady some bacon sandwiches, and then that lady teaches her a lesson, which the gist is that you're harder to divide the, like, uh, stronger your bonds are, I guess. Like, yeah. it's harder to break a bunch of sticks. Um, it's easy to break one stick at a time. So it's a good power lesson. Power friendship. Power friendship. Power love. Yeah. <laughs> All those good things. Uh, but Tony has some great lines here where he was like, well, I think that lesson was worth only one sandwich. <laughs> yeah. He's brutal to this lady. I know. And she's like, hey, buddy, when the students are ready, the teacher will appear. Yeah. And he's like, well, you didn't go to my school. <laughs> <laughs> I think everyone in the Nine Kingdoms, like, when they meet Tony, they hate his guts. I know. Everybody. I don't get it. <laughs> Except Acorn and, well, the Sullies. The Hussell. Yeah, Hussell made for his buds, I suppose. But yeah, he has uh, some funny lines. He, yeah. <laughs> I think he's got another one in that scene, too. Oh, yes. Uh, his other funny scene is like uh, when the lady's like, oh, do you have anything to spare? And Virginia's like, well, I don't have any money, but I have some food. So here, take all I have. And he's like, oh, you have soft touch. Um uh, he, before Virginia says, like, oh, here's what I have, um, I, Wolf has a response to her, but I can't remember what it was. Wolf lies and says they don't have any food. Oh, okay. Um, you know, because he's gluttonous. Yeah, because he's, like, you know, hoarding that food. Mm-hmm. Uh, but <laughs> Tony says, sorry, I only give to registered charities. <laughs> <laughs> I do not see him giving that registered charity yeah. either, but... <laughs> But this this crone lady is definitely not a registered charity. But at the end of their exchange, she does give them good advice, and that's to get off the road because the huntsman's coming, and he intends to kill. Yeah, the huntsman, <laughs> uh, played by the wonderful late Rutger Hauer, um, he is like in the queen's pocket, and he's definitely going to come after them. Um, yeah, and 
I was convinced my entire <laughs> life that that was Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> and I feel really bad and, like, dumb, kind of, for realizing it a little late in life. So late. <laughs> well, to be fair, they're both, like, attractive for older men. They both have long, silvery hair. Um, both great actors. Both great actors, so I can see that. <laughs> yeah, I was in my, you know, uh, Silence of the Lamb phase. Or oh, yeah, so you were just projecting. Yeah. You know, that's when we used to watch The Rock a lot, too. Yes, that's why, The Rock. <laughs> that's right, that's is that right? It? I think that's it. Oh, no, that's Sean Connery. What did we used to watch with him? Catherine Zeta-Jones, that one? Uh, yeah, I think he is in that with Catherine. like, getting his hair cut, and he's in, like, a room, like a like a hotel bathroom. That was Sean Connery in The Rock. Oh, okay. Then maybe I just think, uh, Anthony Maybe Hopkins we don't know Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> yeah, maybe we don't know Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> well, whatever. Well, no, we could talk about The Rock all day long. Yeah. That's got some great actors, Nick too. Nick Cage. Yeah. Those well, other guys. Yeah. <laughs> Those other guys. Mainly Nick Cage. <laughs> okay, let's get well, back to Yeah, we yes. Um, anyway, good scenes. Uh, and you get then, some sexual tension between the queen and the huntsman in some of those scenes. You definitely do, because there's like, yeah, we well later we I guess we'll learn his what his loyalty to the queen is, or why he's so loyal to her. But yeah, like maybe like whenever so que- the queen was married to Prince Wendell's dad and was his stepmom, maybe the huntsman was like her lover on the side. Oh, totally. Or something. I- um. Yeah, yeah, because she needs men on the ground, you know, like, for her network of spies yeah, and things. Yeah, exactly, because she's, like, you know, and he's, like, her head dude, so. Yeah. It makes sense. I could feel, they look, they look good together. Yeah, and she's pretty desperate for some, like, attention. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really. she's been alone for so long, I would be like, hey, husband, don't even take off that ghillie suit, let's just. <laughs> Give me that ghillie. <laughs> but yeah, when he, like, kisses her hand and she rubs it against yes, her cheek. Totally. That's yeah, because that's, like, the only affection she's had in a while. Um, and she's in like kind of a bad place too because everything's going wrong for her and stuff. So she just is like wants a little ounce of affection. So like a little kiss to her cheek. Yeah, that's nice. Uh, <laughs> that's true. That's nice to think. And then one of the cool things we get to see is his magic crossbow. Yeah. Um, this crossbow, I guess, once it's shot, it will hit the heart of the closest living thing that it's shot at or whatever. Um, so it shows him shooting it because he hears like a someone like stepping on leaves or something and just like fires into the woods <laughs> totally safe huntsman. Yeah, it's some huntsman um it's not hunting yeah yeah that's not hunting if you have a magic crossbow that kills something immediately but but it does show a bunch of dead animals hung from trees later so we know he can hunt um yeah so but anyway whenever he it shows like him going to retrieve his arrow from the deer that he shot it wasn't virginia or tony or uh prince or anything obviously um it shows like the wound for the crossbow, and it's like the deer's butt. Oh, so I, I was wondering that's like that. a movie mistake, maybe. Like, <laughs> I did not notice that. I don't think that's where a deer's heart would be, but <laughs> well, I'm not a hunter, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, can't say you ever shot a deer or yeah, anything for the butt heart. Yeah, I <laughs> but my general sense of mammalian anatomy says that the heart's not by the butt. <laughs> oh, sorry right. to call you out on that one. The hip region, so <laughs> anyway, um. That's funny. Okay, well, I think those are, you know, all the the juicy points, as we call them. Um, Oh, one last thing that I think is funny. So, you know how they're drawing, Tony is carrying, well, he's dragging this, like, little makeshift skateboard thing 
with prints on it. A gold statue. A gold statue. How many times do you think that thing hit his ankles? <laughs> like in the grocery store? Or like <laughs> yeah, like, cart. like the cart, like someone pushing, you're pulling it behind you. <laughs> I think his ankles would probably just be bones at the end of that. It would be like, yeah, just saw like, or something. Like the raw, like... <laughs> No way. Because he's dragging it, like, over, you know, through the woods and over the river to grandmother's house we go. Like, you yeah. know. <laughs> There's serious terrain. Like, there's serious, yeah, branches, down trees, lots of leaves, detritus, like, just, it's just banging on his ankles. You know it. Yeah, he's probably in a world of pain. Yeah. But also, like, why didn't Wolf Virginia ever, just, like, offer to help, you know, carry that burden? I feel like their journeys are very separate. Yeah. They... They start so worried about yeah getting home, whereas Tony is kind of acting as the caregiver for Prince, um, slash manservant I guess according to Prince's words. Yeah, really. <laughs> so, and I think that's part of just the overall plot development of their characters. Yeah, because they do eventually get a little closer and on like the same journey. Mm-hmm. But yeah. not really while Prince's turn to gold. Yeah, Tony's on his own for that one. Yeah, he doesn't really have like like um, Virginia and Wolf kind of start. Not pairing up necessarily, but get a little closer and yeah, and I think they want Tony to deal with his consequences. Yeah, finally. that's true. Yeah, because they're probably like, ah, you just that you, know, you just had to put your finger on that fish, <laughs> yep. so you you get to carry the gold statue around. <laughs> um, Not like Virginia can talk though. Yeah, but and I think later too, like Virginia and Tony come closer, like more towards the end of the movie. Yeah, so then they they get kind of paired back up. Yeah, so. Alrighty, folks, we're them's, them's our favorite points of the movie. Yeah, pretty <laughs> well. just like, yeah. They're um, great. So we'll take a break, and then we'll come back with our, our uh, fun segments. And then we actually got a letter, um, an email from a listener, so we're going to read that as well. And um, we'll be back after this. Come one, come all. The largest swap meet of the year is happening next week in Rivertown. You know what they say, one man's trash is another man's treasure. Swap out your old trinkets for riches galore at the 77th annual Rivertown Swap Meet. Come with your wares and swap directly from your cart, or you can rent one of our exclusive booths on the main road. Travelers from all over the Nine Kingdoms will be in attendance. Got an old hat? Swap it. Got an heirloom harp? Swap it. Got a magic puppet? Swap it. You'll be surprised by the amazing treasures you will find. As usual, the week-long swap meet will feature a specially made sweet treat, elven performers from the Seventh Kingdom, and will end with a fireworks show sure to delight. See you next week in Rivertown, the hub of river trading, brought to you by the Rivertown Swap Meet Coalition. Welcome back to Wendell Radio! Woo! Alright, so let's get into... The fun stuff. Let's start with Fashion Corner, Lord Rupert's Fashion Corner to be exact. Lord Rupert. We got a couple new outfits um, and some fun facts for you about the costumes for the Tenth Kingdom. So first, um, the Queen always has like super amazing outfits and she's in like a new dress. So uh, we wanted to tell you about that. It's like a high collar once again, because she's the evil queen. She has like all these crazy high collars, which are awesome. Um, but it's a really pretty like plum like purple color and then on top of that there's like I think it's like periwinkle it's like more of a bluish purple um like a overdress on top of that that has these like really pretty buttons at the bodice so she's looking fabulous as usual 
Absolutely. And I think that is Periwinkle. I absolutely love that color now because of her fashion in this movie. Nice. <laughs> so pretty. Um, and then we get a new character. We see the Huntsman. Um, so he is wearing like a long, dark olive green coat with a flowy blue shirt tucked into dark pants with boots. And he is rocking a sweet half ponytail. As many men in the 10th kingdom are or nine kingdoms. <laughs> yeah he's looking good he's got a ghillie suit in some of it too which is pretty fun oh yeah when he's like stalking them through the forest he's wearing like uh yeah all the twigs and leaves and stuff on him (laughs) yeah it's i do love all the outfits i think um jill taylor did an amazing job but his ghillie suit does leave a little bit i think to the imagination (laughs) the ivy looks a little i don't know a little strange but he's only ever hunted animals before so they probably don't care it probably does you know what it needs to for that that's very true he doesn't like like if you tried to blend in the trees or whatever i feel like a human would be able to see him for sure but (laughs) yeah i don't think those like three little twigs are gonna hide much (laughs) you know what it looks like what (laughs) um one year for halloween i was the whomping willow (laughs) harry potter i got like brown sweatpants and a green sweatshirt and i just like hot glued the shit out of like some floral like leaves from michael's (laughs) that was an amazing amazing costume though a little owl on it and a little um fort anglia like car (laughs) uh his looks more like less low budge than that but that's basically what it is it's just like um you know a bunch of twigs and leaves and stuff that are like like part of his outfit I guess so it doesn't actually uh, look like a total ghillie suit or anything (laughs) well I think your Halloween costume was just like above average you know that was a really great one that year (laughs) thanks Um, and then oh the other thing for fashion corner is Virginia finally gets her long blue coat it's like super cool like I don't know what material maybe like a wool like kind of a peacoat type look um but she doesn't button it ever she always leaves it open she might button it sometimes but then on the inside is like a really gorgeous like silk um fabric it's like a fuchsia color and I want to say we described it in the first episode as her wearing it then but she definitely doesn't she gets it in this part um and she's wearing it in Rivertown but not after they leave the troll so maybe she found it on the boat that they were in I think so. I think that boat just had every modern convenience they could possibly hope for <laughs> for their adventures. <laughs> yeah, like food, uh, her new coat, the Gotta had cereal fish. on there. It was like, yeah, this boat was stocked. <laughs> uh, wolf shaves while they're on the boat. So they've got like fully yes. stocked toiletries. <laughs> I love when he shaves and he's like uh, t- talking to himself in the mirror and he's like, oh, I have to make myself beautiful for Virginia. <laughs> and uh tony's like what are you doing and he's like i'm cooking dinner or something (laughs) yeah oh yeah because that's when the queen interrupts him too that's in that scene Um, yes he's like lying he's like i'm cooking (laughs) it's like uh, what you just you could have just lied and said he was shaving (laughs) it was pretty obvious with all the shaving cream all over his face but (laughs) (laughs) yeah um yeah you mentioned jill taylor she's the costume designer for the 10th kingdom yeah Um, she's had an astounding career she was nominated for numerous BAFTA awards and actually an Emmy in 2005 for the life and death of Peter Sellers for outstanding costume in a miniseries so I'm a little upset she didn't also get that 
nomination for this miniseries. Yeah, seriously, because uh, whenever we watch the special features, it has like an interview with her and it says she created over 4,000 costumes for the Tenth Kingdom. That is so unimaginable, the scale of the production. That blows my mind. Yeah, I'm like, everyone's costumes are so detailed. They are, yeah. they absolutely, even people who are only on screen for maybe 30 seconds or so, like for instance, the Beantown mayor, he's hardly in it. I mean, he does have a role clearly, but even his outfit yeah. is complete. It's a whole look and it really adds a lot to his character's backstory, even though we never really learn about him. Yeah. And then like, um, yeah, I totally agree. Like each per- each like piece is crafted for that character. And there was like a lot of thought put into it and stuff. It's really cool. But to do that for 4,000, it's not like, you know, okay, everybody line up. Everyone gets black pants and a white shirt. <laughs> you know? <laughs> no, no <laughs> way. And, and even not just like regular people costumes, but later when we see like um, the elves and stuff or like um, different kind of creatures, like they all have like really cool costumes too. They do. And then it's even another element it's almost like you can see the trends of each kingdom or just through their clothes. And I think that's really neat. Mm -hmm. And the Beantown mayor is someone we haven't really talked about for fashion. Um, I looked up the technical terms of the types of clothes he's wearing. Oh, cool. Very impressed with his entire getup. Yeah. And it says he's in a long line coat, which never heard of that before. (laughs) maybe i've been under a rock not sure uh or we just don't know fantasy terms for clothing (laughs) well even if you google long line coat it's exactly the coat he's wearing it's like an ankle length trench coat almost but made out of wool sort of like virginia's is same material so he's got that long line coat a giant chunky gold chain (laughs) around his neck (laughs) maybe this is mayoral like crest or something (laughs) the sunday best (laughs) yeah (laughs) but I think it is a crest it does look like a coat of arms or something is the actual charm of the gold chain that he's wearing cool I think you're right and then he has a derby bowler hat on very nice yeah so his his outfit really stands out to me just because it's really unique and again it I feel like you can just imagine this whole backstory for him based off of just his outfit that's totally true well, thank you, Jill Taylor, for all of the creative genius you brought to the Tenth Kingdom. <laughs> yes, it's much appreciated. <laughs> um, okay, well, is there anybody else for Fashion Corner? I feel like that's all the new peeps we saw. I think so. And if we forgot anyone, we can just throw that in later. <laughs> yeah, we'll fill you in next time, folks. Or write to us and let us know who we forgot and tell us who your favorite outfit is. <laughs> and why. <laughs> and why. <laughs> write us an essay yeah (laughs) thousand word minimum yeah um okay so next let's move on to scenery and locations okay so we um saw um let's see we saw snow white memorial prison again so we're back in the fourth kingdom they take that like uh river up to river town and i think some of those scenes are like so pretty because it's like a river that's like right in between these like gorgeous mountains and I don't know if they filmed that where they filmed the Snow White Memorial Prison. Like maybe it's the same type of river. I'm not really sure. But either way, it's like super beautiful. Um, like really pretty blue water and like just like green mountains and like that are snow capped. And it's just all really pretty scenery. Yeah, definitely not green screened. Um, it looks very, very real. Yes. 
Yes, that's an excellent point because earlier, like in the movie where it shows the trolls like rowing at some point, there's like definitely a green screen behind them. Mm-hmm. But this, yeah, you can tell it's like they all they filmed it there. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Um, and then we also go to the Disenchanted Forest, which so far we'll get into it um, probably in our next segment because that's you know where they spend more of their time. This just shows them getting into the Disenchanted Forest. Um, but it's just, you know, average foresty. There's lots of leaves in the ground, you know, old growth trees and stuff. So um, <laughs> that's pretty cool. We also see the Queen's Castle. This is um, kind of the same one. It's like dilapidated looking from the outside. Um, or maybe it's magic to look like that. Oh, but all I the rooms and stuff it's shown are like, yeah, like maybe there's like spells on it or something to like, because they were born to the evil queen from Snow White's fairy tales and it said like she had like five castles or something yeah or five like um like hideaways and so yeah maybe they're magic like how hogwarts has like a spells on it to turn people away kind of you know absolutely and if not at the very least hopefully and surely she has the huntsman watching that castle to make sure there's no trespassers but who knows i bet you it is magic though um, and then last time, uh, our last episode, we decided we were going to go through all of the kingdoms, aka read straight from the wiki article. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so we went over kingdoms one and two last time. Do you want to go ahead and read um, the intro for the third kingdom? Absolutely. So the third kingdom, also known as the Troll Kingdom, is located in the southwest of the nine kingdoms, and its neighbors are the first and fourth kingdoms. It's inhabited by the trolls, obviously, and governed by Relish currently and his three children, Prince Burley, Princess Blabberwort, and Prince Bluebell, which is- That's weird to think that they're prince and princesses. Yeah, they are not very, like, I don't know, aristocratic or anything. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That is really bizarre. I've never referred to them as that. Um, So this kingdom is where Jack, um, from, you know, Jack and the- giant beanstalk um, was originally planted he planted all the beanstalks and they sucked the life out of the earth and created a desolate kingdom where absolutely nothing grows the giants live up in the clouds and are a dying species this is depressing due to alcoholism and low fertility Jeez, (laughs) that's morbid (laughs) it is large run down and it's run with a military style government their complete lack of interest in farming the trolls i'm assuming along with having a small slave population make the trolls reliant on aggression and thieving to survive this is interesting yellow is their military color never Mm -hmm. would have thought that and the last yeah ever (laughs) um and the last fun fact on here is that they have an obsession with shoes and fine leather what who'd have thought it's only like the sole crux of their like personalities <laughs> yeah yeah they're like motivation yeah so that's the third kingdom and then brianna do you want to take the fourth sure um the fourth kingdom is ruled by the house of white a family of royal blood whose most famous member was queen snow white the current ruler is prince wendell who is still in snow white's shadow figuratively speaking he was orphaned after both of his parents were poisoned by the evil queen, so his stepmom. Um, the kingdom is located in the middle of the kingdoms, surrounded by the other kingdoms, which makes it strategically important. Its official color is green. And then places within the fourth kingdom include Snow White Memorial Prison, 
the Palace of White, um, Kissing Town, and the Huntsman's Tree. So we have not seen so far in this podcast Kissing Town or the Huntsman's Tree, but we will get there, folks. Um, there's also Beantown, um, the Evil Queen's Hideaway, Rivertown, um, the Enchanted Forest, which I, I thought in Wolf calls it the Disenchanted Forest, but maybe not. Maybe I just misheard that. I thought he um, said that Lamb- as well. Okay, so maybe we need to update the wiki. Yeah. Um, there's Little Lamb Village, um, and then uh, Snow White Falls, which is like a waterfall type place. And I would say we do need to update the um, wiki because instead of Evil Queen's Hideaway, it says Evan Queen's Hideaway. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't say Hideaway either, it says Hideaway. <laughs> oh yeah, Hideaway. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so yeah, some of those could be um, typos. Yeah. Maybe we'll do that for our third podcast. So this one will go through um, the movie, the second one will go through the novel, and the third one will go through the wiki. <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> and make up That'll be really fun to listen to. <laughs> Maybe we can get some interviews with the author. Yeah. I wrote the screenplay. I want to know about these official colors for the kingdoms. They are never what I expect ever. I know, right? Like yellow? And then green? Or uh, bluebill wears yellow. That's true. So green for the fourth kingdom, I was thinking maybe because they have the forest. Oh, that makes sense. Or something like, and there's lots of greenery and green trees or um I don't know we should look into color theory too and see like what these different what colors are supposed to represent you know how like flowers are supposed to mean something yes absolutely Um, like how yellow flower or yellow roses are for friendship whereas red roses are for romance like maybe there's different uh like flag colors or nation colors I don't know maybe there's some symbolism behind there I bet you there is that's a great idea for um episode four when we go into the kingdoms portion we should we'll have some info on that yeah let's make a note we will we'll update you guys on if we found anything out on the psychology of um, color i'm sure the huntsman's really happy about green being his kingdom yeah <laughs> for sure um but yeah i would much rather rally around green or yellow than the brown of the second kingdom so yeah these are much better colors <laughs> oh i still have much better anything's better than brown <laughs> yeah what could that possibly mean? <laughs> For haters, I don't know. <laughs> That's funny. All right. Well, anything else for scenery or locations? No, I just wish we knew more about where the everything was filmed because it is so beautiful. Yeah, I know they have like a dozen filming locations throughout Europe. So, um, and I know there's like a map that I've seen before too, where it like people have gone on like vacation and go to like a couple of the different places that they film. Oh, that's awesome. So like, um, like Kissing Town is like an actual village in France. Oh my um, gosh. I would kill so to go like there. I know. It'd be so cool. Too bad we're in a <laughs> pandemic. Maybe that could be our next vacation. Yeah. That we'll would take a awesome. kingdom trip around Europe. <laughs> Heck yeah. We'll go to all the sites. That'd yeah. Awesome. Stay in that castle be cool well let's move right along then into our fairy tales that this 45 minutes kind of touched on um we have a couple of um like nods to fairy tales or like uh themes i guess from different fairy tales so i think the first one we should talk about is the magical fish that uh you know tony gets his finger bitten and it turns into gold so now anything he touches with that finger can turn into gold um and whenever he like reads that poem that's with the fish 
Um, and it says, uh, you know, all that you touch can can be gold or whatever. Um, he is under the impression that he can just touch anything and everything and it'll turn to gold. Mm-hmm. But then like when he actually uses the finger, like he uses it once and it's over, like it's a one and done. Yes. And I feel like they did that because it would be really annoying to have to have him keep up for with a gold, like middle or gold pinky for the rest of the series. Um, <laughs> we already yeah. got a consequence from it, you know, like Prince is golden now and we have to deal with that. So I feel like it would have been too much to keep adding that. Um, uh, kind of like tension to the story plot so I like that they got rid of it and it ended up being like a one and done situation absolutely I agree especially because once Prince is turned to gold and he's carting that skateboard contraption around the woods if he also (laughs) had a pinky that was like out of use he would have no way to touch anything or use his hands like at all because he'd always be pulling the dog and then having his pinky there so yeah um, and I feel like, yeah, just Prince turning it to gold is punishment enough for his, uh, what's it called when you want a lot of wealth? Like, you know, there's gluttony when you like to eat a lot of food. Is there a sin for, I guess, greed, right? Greed, yeah. yeah. I guess yeah, that is a good way to, <laughs> rep- or a good um, sin to represent Tony, greed. He definitely struggles with that. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I thought this kind of tied back to the story of King Midas, Yes, King Midas, so the myth- mythical king of Phrygia. Some Greek place, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who was famous for his ability to change anything that he touched into solid gold. Yeah, and then he, like, he had the, like, what Tony was thinking where he would just be able to do that forever. Mm-hmm. But then that ended up being his downfall, right? It did, yeah. It totally bit him in the butt. He ended up starving to death because any food that he would eat would turn to gold. So he wouldn't be able to eat it or it wouldn't give him nutrition. So can he just, he's like a king. Can he just have people like feed him? <laughs> That's a great point. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> well, maybe like, yeah, I wouldn't maybe when it wouldn't well, a lesson if so, but yeah. <laughs> maybe like if it like uh, touched his tongue, like as soon as it touches his tongue, like it turns to gold or whatever. So. But he would die of thirst before he died of hunger, if that was the case. Seriously, but that brings up a great point, too, about something from the movie. You have to wonder with this power or ability, what would happen if Tony had, like, touched the ground? Yeah, for sure. Like, do you think, like, the whole, I don't know, the whole world would have turned to gold and, like, no more agriculture? Or what if he, like, had touched the water? Yeah, instead of the boat. Yeah, his accidental touching of the troll kids plus Wendell was probably like the best option. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But even then, why did it stop there and not like transfer down into the ground that they were standing on even? That's true. Hmm. I guess there's some sort of like, it doesn't conduct through, I don't know, the um, first immediate objects or whatever. Yeah, clearly there's some limitations to this magic, but yeah, I'm not really was- privy to them necessarily Jefferson <laughs> Trey Trey <laughs> what other uh, um, okay the fairy tales do we have in this section well so I wanted to bring up the huntsman because we see him um here and he is it's like first introduction to him and he's like super loyal to the queen we've talked about like how like possibly they're banging because she <laughs> is like he like kisses her hand and she like presses it to her cheek like he's like super into her and into serving her 
But from the original Snow White fairy tale, the Huntsman was never really that loyal to the evil queen from Snow White's fairy tale because he doesn't he he brings a pig's heart back to the queen instead of Snow White's heart. Because at first, before the queen starts trying to kill Snow White, she's like, oh, Huntsman, go kill this, you know, child. And he's like, oh, that kind of crosses my moral code. So I'll bring you a pig heart instead and does. And she eventually finds out. And I don't know if like, well, in the Disney version, I don't remember what his consequences were um, because she does find out eventually that Snow White actually lives, but it never really says what he does. So anyway, I just don't think like the original Huntsman was super loyal, but this Huntsman is really loyal to um, the current Evil Queen, which I think is a really interesting, um, not spin on it, but like a new relationship. Uh, It's like a new, something new to add to the fairy tale, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And you can just tell how he acts, like he, his loyalty is unwavering. And I think that it helps give the queen, um, not a friend necessarily, but just an ally. Yeah, because she, I mean, who else does she have, you know? Exactly. It's like her one ally, basically. Yeah, and like you said in the original, I the that huntsman might have even been okay to kill Snow White till he saw how beautiful she was. Yeah, I want to say his reservations were that she was literally like 12 years old or 13 or whatever. Yeah, well, I guess her life expectancy was like what 35 back in the day. So yeah, (laughs) maybe that was beyond she was so beautiful and innocent and stuff. So anyway, love the huntsman. He's cool. I wonder too if his loyalty, she kind of bought it. Like she was the one who gave him that special arrow, right? Yeah, so I can't really, we'll get into this more once um, he reveals his backstory, because I can't really remember if he does something wrong and has to then prove his loyalty to the queen once she in this bow. I really don't know the order of events with that. Okay, well, hang in there, future listeners. We'll get more into the Huntsman and his backstory. Yeah, he's a super interesting character. I wish they would have expanded a little more, but just what they do give us, it's, it's, a really interesting character yeah quality for sure mm-hmm. um oh and then speaking of snow white um in our last episode we were gonna update um our listeners on the snow white fairy tale because we weren't sure if like the iron slippers that virginia the trolls are gonna make virginia dance in um relate what was actually in the fairy tale because we couldn't remember but we looked it up and it is in some versions it's in the Grimm's uh, version and then it's in like some other versions of it too that the evil queen is forced to dance in the red hot iron slippers like at the at the wedding of snow white and um the prince but there were also some other like deviations because i'm most familiar with the disney version obviously i feel like (laughs) most people are um (laughs) but what i thought was cool too is that um one of the deviations um that they talk about and that's in the 10th kingdom is that um the evil queen tries to kill snow white three times yes once um, and this kind of varies like once it's supposed to be do you remember what it was the first one one is super weird I don't even I can't even give um, the proper version of the story proper credit because I don't remember which one it is but in one the first way the queen tries to kill Snow White is by giving her shoes that are tied too tight or yeah, she like- ties the <laughs> shoes to her feet too tight and, and-, and laces yeah are too tight like did that kill people back in the day <laughs> i don't know that seems like a very strange way to die or even 
to, to think about killing someone, how, why would you do You're that? Like, There's a million I'm going to lace your shoes really, really tight. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to time suit you tight. <laughs> and then hope maybe that she loses consciousness from lack of blood flow, circulation. I don't even know. I feel like your feet would just like... Uh get like you know when you get hypothermia when there's no more blood flow or whatever yeah well i took a um stop the bleed training and it would be like seven hours before that would take be effective to yeah that's not a quick easy way to kill somebody (laughs) no so in that version obviously it was not successful so then the evil queen comes back and tries something else yeah um and that second thing is in most stories including the 10th kingdom is a poison comb so like a little hair comb that's poisoned so that stays consistent maybe i think it's missing from the disney version though yeah on the disney version they just have the poison apple bit they don't have the um uh it's either the tied shoes or like a belt that's tied too tight and crushes the ribs or a corset and i want to say that the corset is in what's in the 10th kingdom as well okay yeah and then with the apple too i never realized i always assumed she was being snow white was being poisoned when she took a bite of this apple but i Mm -hmm. guess not yeah and all the fairy the originals it's like she actually just chokes on a piece of the poison apple so she really dies by like asphyxiation um or goes into her coma or whatever it's not because of uh poison so like when the prince like kisses her like in most of the actual fairy tale versions it's like he he dislodges the piece of apple that she had been choking on and as soon as it's out of her throat she's she can breathe again and she's like alive again (laughs) i don't know why but i really wish instead of kissing her he would have been giving her like the heimlich or something (laughs) (laughs) how romantic super romantic (laughs) it would have worked just the same (laughs) yep (laughs) (laughs) okay and then our last fairy tale bit um we see the crone, which I feel like is a lot of folklore. And this is like the old kind of witch lady uh, who Virginia and gang meet in the woods and Virginia trades, you know, her sandwiches for a little, uh, for like that lesson that she learns. Yeah. So um, crone is an archetypal figure. So usually when they're showing up in fairy tales or folklore, it's um, they have some kind of magical or supernatural association and are usually either completely helpful or totally obstructive. So here. <laughs> well, I think this lady in this sense was completely helpful. And there was definitely something mystical about her because otherwise, how would she know that the huntsman was following them, you know? Yes. And how would she know that he intends to kill them? Yeah, seriously. And the, yeah, they're being like actively tracked or whatever. I think she's the yang to the huntsman's yin or whatever. I think they're <laughs> <laughs> kind of like a part of the same coin in, in a sense where she protects the forest maybe and he's out to kill everything in it I don't know yeah or like she helps the travelers versus he helps I don't know what he does for the forest really because he kills all the animals and stuff yeah he butchers the animals doesn't let people travel through there yeah he's like mad at the gypsies all the time so hmm. maybe he's really only there for the actual like trees and plants foliage yeah Ooh, interesting. Oh, and you know what? Um, the teacher on the road of uh, Chrome Lady reminded me of too was in Beauty and the Beast. Mm-hmm. Um, well, at least in the Disney version, there's like the enchantress who's like a old crone, like haggard old woman, and she gets to the castle and she's like, "Oh, can I stay here for the night or whatever?" And like the uh, Beast, well, Prince Adam turns her away because she's so like ugly and stuff, <laughs> and then she reveals herself to be this like beautiful enchantress. So kind of what it reminded me of, like. 
Um, like there's more to her than what, you know, you see on the surface and then she ends up being a little mystical and helps them out. So. Absolutely. Thank goodness this crone doesn't curse our main character for 20 some odd years to be a hideous. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe though, because you know, that bacon sandwich that the, um, Huntsman finds, like, what if she intentionally dropped it because of how rude Tony and Wolf were to her? Oh my gosh, that could absolutely be true. Because it would not be like Wolf to let a bacon Sammy just fall to the ground and be left in the dust. I know! <laughs> you would totally smell it. So that makes me think, like, maybe she accidentally dropped it or purposefully dropped it um, for some reason. She must not have been that hungry. Jeez. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so you're right. There's. <laughs> Big old bacon Sammy on the ground. <laughs> Seriously. There's a lot of um, Beauty and the Beast references, though, I think, with Wolf and Virginia in general. So I feel like that would make total sense with the Chrome being involved. Yeah, because that's like not, um, you know, there's like Cinderella and Red Riding Hood, like Belle and the Beast aren't one of those like uh, iconic fairy tales in this world, which is interesting. Um, so, yeah, I think they're, the nod to Beauty and the Beast is like Virginia as the beauty and Wolf as the Beast. Oh, Although I would say that uh, Wolf is the beauty. Because <laughs> he's so attractive. <laughs> yeah, I, I just read Virginia's on the wiki. She has to work through herself, you know? <laughs> yes, and has to completely change, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I read on the wiki a little bit ago that um, Scott Cohen, he set some kind of record for how many um, fan clubs were created after this miniseries aired. What? He had like a oh hundred join all of them yeah right <laughs> there's like a hundred that popped up in the first week wow, <laughs> wow. in the year 2002 that's really impressive right like nobody knew how to use internet very well it was also like dial up and stuff probably <laughs> oh, wow there was a hundred different ones <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's funny yeah he's definitely a good beast if that's what beauty, he's the at. beauty and the beast yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> he's a beautiful beast how about that i like that <laughs> all right let's um go into our next segment where we talk about the music of the 10th kingdom and um unfortunately sadly this is our last uh bit of the movie i think where we hear the bgs um night fever song no. <laughs> Yeah, I know it's been a banger so far. Um, <laughs> have loved it. We've loved it. But unfortunately, their boombox they stole from the Nine Kingdoms finally sputters out. So maybe the batteries just died or something, or they whacked it across one too many people's heads. <laughs> yeah, definitely. There's no recovering it either, even if they ever were somehow to find batteries or something to say, junk it, toss it in the water. Yep. Which, gosh, once again, just littering all about, you know, the fourth kingdom. Like they all throw books over the sides of their boat, boom boxes. <laughs> Someone should like do a like dredging or whatever in that river and they'd find tons of stuff. Oh my gosh, heck yeah. Maybe there's some kind of spell on the water that gets rid of litter, but then they find books, the books down river. I don't know. I'd like to yeah. think there's a spell that gets rid of all the litter. <laughs> Yeah, so it doesn't choke up, choke the poor fish and stuff. Yeah. Um, but the other uh, music I wanted to mention was that the um, soundtrack for this miniseries is like super great. It's on Spotify. I listen to it like once a week at least. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's no like real melodies I can like, you know, like Harry Potter, like there's like that dun 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 dun. Like oh, I can't yeah. give any like melodies from like the 10th Kingdom soundtrack. But if I hear a song, I'm like, oh, this is from the 10th Kingdom from this scene. Um, so I don't know. It's just all really good. 
Um, the composer is a female composer, which I also think is really cool. Heck yeah. Um, her name's Anne Dudley. She um, is from the UK. She's born in England. And she is a really prolific um, composer, critically acclaimed. She's won an Oscar for Best Original Music um, or Comedy Score uh, for a movie called The Full Monty in 1997. So like the same, basically the same time period that she was probably making this. Um, she probably did the full Monty and then this one is my guess. Probably, you're right. Um, but she has like dozens and dozens of movies uh, that she's done the soundtracks for. So I went through her IMDb page and just wanted to share a couple of them. Um, so one was the movie Monkey Bone. Do you remember that movie? Oh my gosh, with Brendan Fraser? Yes. And he yeah. had like a cartoon or something. He was like a cartoon artist and like his creation came to life and like wreaked havoc. I don't think I was allowed to watch it. Maybe it was the rating was a little higher than my age at the time. Yes. I know I remember us going to Blockbuster and us looking at the VHS case yes. and like wanting to rent it and mom and Jeff not letting us because it was like too adult. Which is very rare. They didn't usually censor our video watching. Yeah, but I guess that one, maybe it was like rated R or something, or I don't know. But anyway, we missed out. We could have been listening to Ann Dudley. Right, from the the very beginning. And we were also obsessed (laughs) with The Mummy, I think, around that time. So anything with Brendan Fraser was going to stick out to us. So I'm sad we didn't see it (laughs) back in (laughs) prime. (laughs) Um, Some of the other ones I recognize were Tristan and He's Old from like the mid 2000s um i don't remember that one uh it was like a it's like a fairy tale or folklore type story that was like a movie um i want to say it was like what's that guy james franco it was start him hmm. um so anyway she did the music for that just tons and tons of stuff um she did the score for uh, Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. Wow, I did not know that. That's cool. Yes, yeah, so I guess all the non-ABBA stuff. Um, so just lots of cool, she had a really cool, has had a really neat career. Um, and we appreciate her work, especially on the 10th Kingdom. Heck yeah. I wonder what it is, even though you said you can't, like there really isn't a melody or tune that sticks out that I can think of. But like you said, once you hear the songs playing, you can identify them as being from the 10 kingdoms so i wonder what it is about them i don't know maybe i just haven't listened to it enough like i'm sure there are melodies and stuff in there that we could pick out um so yeah that just means we got to keep listening to it more yeah absolutely okay so that's it for music i think um let's jump into our next segment hot or not hot or not oh yeah i feel like we need like an intro like hot or not I like that. That was good. <laughs> let's, let's run with it. I'll, I'll totally remember that for the next time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so he brought up a good uh, character earlier because he had like a crazy cool outfit. Um, let's do hot or not for the good old mayor of Beantown. <laughs> oh, geez. <laughs> well, I'm going to say, I'll yeah. go first. <laughs> no, please. I'm actually really, I really want to hear what you have to say about him. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with not one. Okay, his clothes are really cool, and, like, he's in a position of power. He's obviously the mayor and gets lots of respect, so I guess that's fine. But he's, like, such a coward. Like, all he wants to do is, like, wait for Wendell to solve his town's problems, and then whenever he's, like, well, he does have the courage to face the Troll King directly and be, like, get out of here, or else I'm gonna tell Wendell. 
or whatever and he's like fine tell him and like sits on the throne and he just like gets all red faced and his little mustaches twitch <laughs> um so i don't know i'd give him a notch just because he doesn't like seem like a super great leader um a little weak <laughs> a little weak but and his clothes aren't they don't uh you know his the coolness of the clothes doesn't outshine his you know personality i suppose his general <laughs> and cowardice. His first looks like he's an older gent um so i particularly am not attracted to him <laughs> <laughs> i'm actually gonna have to say not as well for him <laughs> and like you Same said way. he does show a little bit of you know cojones because he's the only one of his entire <laughs> entourage of the i don't know beantown elite that even considers yeah. <laughs> confronting <laughs> relish so he does stick up for him but it's not effective like you said and he's yeah. kind of just ends up being a pushover and that ain't hot so i'm going with that <laughs> okay um okay next we have uh ooh, acorn yeah acorn we get to see a little bit more of him we were introduced to him obviously at snow white memorial prison um but we really get a good uh, chance to see him on when he steals his boat uh, when he escapes the one that has the magic mirror on it um, there's like a scene where he's like uh, looking in the mirror and he's like shaving he's like cleaning up after being in a prison he's like picking his teeth and like uh, it's cute he like looks at the mirror and is like trying to find his good side because you know one of his eyes has like a big x over it and stuff <laughs> oh yeah that part's adorable um, yeah so I don't know I give acorn I give acorn a hot I think he like uh He's like a cool dude. He has obviously survived a bunch of scraps, so you can tell he's <laughs> tough. Um, he's able to escape prison. Um, I feel like Warwick Davis is like just a cool guy. <laughs> so uh, I'll give Acorn a hot. I like that opinion. I'm going to follow suit, and I'm also giving Acorn a hot. I think, like you said, I don't know if there's something endearing about him, and he's also just a natural survivalist, clearly. He can get himself out yeah. of any situation, but he also is I will loyal. say the not true. I will say the only not for him is that uh, he's in prison for aggravated assault, so he obviously <laughs> has some issues going on there. Yeah, well, we can and just that, pretend he was framed or something. <laughs> yeah, I'm like I'm a tall lady, so I don't know that I would necessarily like be able to like date a corner or anything. But I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if I if he'd be like um, marriage material for me per se. Just you know, from the ex-con standpoint and various um, legal yeah. <laughs> legalese like that, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> but he is very resourceful. He clearly loves his um, Sally um, Clayface. Yeah, he and Clayface had a good relationship. So, so yeah, I'll say hot, and I'm excited too because I didn't think the first time I watched um, this series that he was really going to end up being such a profound or interesting character and he ends up being one of my favorites so you're right because he's like sprinkled in throughout you know he's kind of like um the carrot on the end of the stick that they're following for a while exactly um, and they switch obviously to following the mirror now um oh well they're still following uh acorn i guess um but anyway then he crops up even later too so i like that he's kind of sprinkled throughout yeah i like that too so we're giving him a hot yeah, we'll give him a hot. Um, next, let's go with the crone. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what to say about that, really. Um, I'm going to give her a nod. She's like hideous and like <laughs> creepy looking. 
<laughs> yeah, and she didn't get any of Tony's jokes, and I felt like they were really funny, and she should have laughed. Yeah, at she like is like super dull. Yeah, she's like <laughs> she just Brush like scolds hair. him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> throwing her bacon sammies on the ground, like all ungrateful and stuff. I don't appreciate that either. I know, right? I mean, I guess she did tell them like, oh, but BT Dubs, there's like someone following you, so you guys better get into them woods. But uh, I give her a solid knot. Yeah, I'm going to give her a nod also. I I love the idea of a supernatural hag type, I don't know, character, but she just doesn't really do it for me in, in the little bit of the movie that we see her in. <laughs> um, oh, let's talk about, uh, okay, so Wendell, like the human with the dog in his body. Wendell, the human with the dog in his body. Okay. <laughs> so hot or not? <laughs> <laughs> So just the actor or the guy, like well, Prince Well, I don't know. I guess like the actors, obviously, I feel like we could give him a hot, like he's attractive and he's like a super great actor, but because like his insides are a dog and he can't even use a knife and fork correctly, <laughs> I would give him a knot. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I have a history of dating like um, man children <laughs> and that's kind of exactly this that situation. Is, oh my God. Yes. This would exactly be like that. <laughs> like I can't even take you to dinner <laughs> yeah you want to bring someone home to mom like <laughs> you can use his knife and fork and won't lift up his leg to pee on a column which I guess I would explain to my parents if you know that were the situation and I was dating yeah by the way dog. my boyfriend is a dog <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm gonna go with um that's a solid knot for me yeah that's <laughs> <laughs> Okay, and then our last um, character is the Huntsman. Ooh, what do you think about the Huntsman? Oh, I think he's a solid hot. Totally. Why is that? Even though he's evil and stuff, like, his, like, half ponytail is pretty attractive. Like, he has a nice <laughs> face. Roger Howard's uh, just an attractive guy. Um, and I feel like he has, like, a um, an air of, like, danger, uh, which, you know, some people find attractive. So I feel like I'll go, I'll give him a hot absolutely i could he's not smart. agree more he's cunning um he's like a slytherin i guess <laughs> <laughs> he's the ultimate slytherin yeah that's a great way to describe him and his fave color is obviously green i know right <laughs> wow that is so perfect well yeah you're right i love that he only bends for the queen you know that's his mistress his lady yeah i like that a lot and his skill um again with survivalism or just being outdoorsy is pretty attractive yeah like he can you know survive on his own and he lives in a tree house which we won't get to till next time but that is pretty cool that is really cool I can't even tell you how many knuckles or how many times I bloodied my knuckles walking up to random trees trying to get them to open their magic portals yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I was so inspired by the huntsman <laughs> yeah and luckily we um, haven't seen his murderous rampage yet so for now i'm totally giving him a hot yeah same cool and as we've discussed he looks like anthony hopkins slash uh uh sean connery so i feel like that's a good caliber of men for hot oh absolutely (laughs) (laughs) okay well i think that's all of our kind of newish characters has anybody changed in your regard like virginia tony wolf queen i'm looking at tony with a whole new set of eyes this goes through I still think he's hot, but I'm a little disappointed lately. Um, 
that he's not yeah, as I don't know. you're getting slapped with the tony truth which listeners you'll hear in tony time our next segment coming up after our next break yeah that's a good segue into tony time because i don't know <laughs> i'm not gonna say my my i've changed my mind or anything but he's definitely teetering on the edge of not at the moment for me <laughs> just because i'm angry at him though <laughs> yeah like why do you have to use your finger and turn everybody into gold seriously like yes i know we need some plot development but does it always have to be because you're like a bumbling idiot (laughs) i think that's actually a literary term it's called like butt monkey i want to say oh i bet you're right where you're like the butt of the joke or like um uh like all the it's basically like you have the kick me sign on you the whole time (laughs) yeah and the dunce cap or something i could so see that yeah (laughs) (laughs) he's still endearing has anyone changed for you? Um, nope. I think everyone's pretty much the same. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, let's see. After our next break, we'll have a segment with our guest um, for this episode called Tony Time. But before we get to our break, we have our first piece of fan mail. Woo-hoo! Super exciting. Um, yes, we'd love for you guys to listen and write to us at Wendell Radio 10. That's Wendell Radio 10 at gmail.com and tell us your favorite character or why you love the series. And maybe we'll read your email on the air. Um, and by that, I mean on our podcast because we're obviously not, you know, on the air. <laughs> <laughs> that would be really cool though. <laughs> Next step. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I will read the email we got. Um, okay, here we, we go. get permission, by the way. So, Oh, yes, we did get permission. And we would obviously, if you write to us, we'll get permission from you before we potentially read yours on the air as well. Um, So it says, hi, Brianna and Alyssa. Thank you so much for putting together this podcast. I first watched The Tenth Kingdom back when it came out in 2000. Most of the subtext went over my head as a child, but 28-year-old me has had a blast revisiting the show and introducing it to my friends via Zoom watch parties during their recent plague. Wolf is my favorite character in the show, no question. His mannerisms alternate between being cartoonishly goofy, unsettlingly menacing, and deeply genuine, all of which are entertaining to watch. Kid me totally had a crush on him, and adult me still does. Also, great to see an example of a bad boy love interest who doesn't get better because a woman tried to change him, but because he decided he wanted to become a better person himself, even if through stolen pop psychology books. As a non-binary adult, there are also aspects of Wolf's character that feel very relatable as metaphors for queer experience. Examples that are also spoilers are having to hide a fundamental aspect of his identity for the sake of safety, the venerable moment where he comes out to Virginia, recognizing another isolated half-wolf and just talking to him about wolf stuff so the kid doesn't feel so alone, having a time of the month where he gets moody despite being a male character, all of that feels easily queer-coded. Side note. Wolf mentions that the crime that landed him in jail was sheep worrying, which is when an unleashed dog or wolf runs into a flock of sheep and chases them around, causing injury to the flock or just spooking them. It is an actual crime that the owner of the dog can get charged for, while the dog can get caught and detained. So yeah, he chased, maybe ate some sheep, and then got sent to prison for it. Looking forward to the next episode, Jules from Chicago. Well, thank you so much, Jules, for writing to us. You are uh, first, um, I guess, probably our first listener. <laughs> <laughs> Most likely. Um, well, you're the first one. Well, our mom listened to it pretty early. We and our family <laughs> listened to our first episode pretty early. So you're up there as our uh, in our VIP fan club, Jules. So thank you. Yes, thank <laughs> but you yeah, so man, much. What great points. First, 
kid me totally had a crush on him and adult me still does same absolutely <laughs> yeah I feel like I definitely liked Wolf as a kid like oh my gosh like I don't know he was like the not the first person I had a crush on but I definitely remember him being like uh I don't know a character that I liked and it was the first character I remember you having a crush on specifically really <laughs> I think so yeah funny um, and also, Jules, thank you for doing your part to introduce more people to the Tenth Kingdom. <laughs> we appreciate it. Yeah, your Zoom <laughs> watch parties sound awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and I really love Jules' insight into the queer experience because as two cis hetero females, um, that's not really something I've ever like put together before. But now that it's been pointed out, I'm like, duh, that is like... So I can totally see how all that can be like kind of queer coded. Um, I always assumed it was like a metaphor for racism potentially, but I guess it could really be any other type of ism, any other type of ism, um, including like uh, being, I don't know, just being different and uh, him having to like navigate that world, um, especially whenever, um, wolf shows virginia his tail like that was him like coming out to her as a half wolf which he told her like people hate wolves and yet he's revealing this like really uh vulnerable part of himself so i feel like all of your insight is spot on jules and we really appreciate you um, writing us yeah i'm really glad that now i can not obviously watch it with that lens but just with that in mind and start picking up on all of these things now um it is just really relevant and <laughs> Yeah, and that's like so cool for a movie that we've been watching for literally 20 years <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to be able timeless. to get like new things out of it. Yeah, timeless and just like a story that really, uh, you know, gives a lot to a lot of different communities. Um, and it's just a great story. It is. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Um, so yeah, thank you for writing us, um, Jules, and uh, if you would like to write us, we'd, anybody else would like to write us, we'd appreciate um, reading your emails, and maybe we'll read it on the air. Yeah. Okay, well, um, what else do we got to say? Oh, okay, so we'll finish up, and then we'll just run, we'll play our Tony time as our last segment and be done um, with this episode. Does that sound good? Yeah, sounds great. Okay, so before we finish, um, we want to say, like, obviously, you can get a hold of us um, by emailing us at WendellRadio10 at Gmail. And then um, you can follow me on Instagram. It's Brianna underscore rules, R-U-L-E-Z on Instagram. And I also recently created an Instagram for our podcast, Wendell Radio. So you can find us on Instagram at WendellRadio10 and get notifications of our new episodes and um we'll post on there to kind of uh just keep everybody involved in our podcast um but while i was doing that funny story turns <laughs> out there's another 10th kingdom podcast like what are they the freaking odds <laughs> i know what are the odds we've literally been talking about doing this podcast for like two years finally have like done it we published our first episode in like january but didn't really publicize it until like two or three weeks ago um so in the mean, in the, that same time period, another group has uh, created 10th Kingdom podcast. So we're going to wait to check it out until we finish our podcast, just so we don't have like, I don't know, influence each other, or accidentally copy them or something. Yeah, too but, much crossover. Um, yeah, but we absolutely love that there's just more 10th Kingdom content in the world. So you should totally check them out. 
The podcast is called um, the Witches Pocket Podcast, and you can find them on Instagram at Witches Pocket Pod. Um, oh my gosh, I just realized why that's their name. Isn't that so cute? That like is the adorable. Like the trolls think that they're hiding or they're put in Virginia's pocket. In her pocket. Yeah, that is so yeah, great. <laughs> I just thought they like witches at first. Yeah. It took till just now for me to put two and two together. <laughs> yeah, because they think like the witches, you know, so clever name. Which is yeah, I love the name. We can't wait to listen to you guys after we're done recording ours. Um, and just excited that there's you know, after 20 years, there's still people who love the 10th kingdom as much as we do. And, uh, you know, that there's still content out there. It's exciting. It's a great world we live in. (laughs) Well, cool. Well, folks, we appreciate you listening and we will, um, see you next time, um, where we will get into, um, some more of the enchanted forest or disenchanted forest, whatever it's called. (laughs) We'll figure it out for the next episode. (laughs) Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Before we go too. There's been a lot of really good phrases that we wanted to highlight that I totally forgot about until right now. Oh, so okay. one, what in the ferrying forest? <laughs> I feel like uh, that's a great like curse that you could start saying in your everyday life. The governor says that a couple times in the beginning yeah. of this chunk. <laughs> that is such a good one, ferrying forest. Yeah, and Wolf has started saying cripes, which is one of his like good one-liners where he's like, cripes. <laughs> oh um, yeah, that does just start. I totally never realized that and he hasn't I don't know that he said huff puff yet but he's definitely said huffity puffity yes he said a couple of variations I think on it and I'm excited to be on the listen for other versions I love that one (laughs) well cool okay well um we'll end here and then right after the next uh, little break you guys can listen to our Tony time segment featuring our um guest for this episode so uh thank you guys and huff puff thank you bye Welcome back, listeners. So today we have a special guest on the pod. It is my husband, Alex. Yay! Thank you so much, Alex. You might Whoa. recognize his voice be here. as our <laughs> as our PSA guy uh, who does all of our commercials for the podcast. Um, so yeah, so today we're going to play the game and then we're going to have a segment we're going to call Tony Time, where we talk about Tony. Everyone's so. favorite 10th Kingdom character. <laughs> yeah, at least Melissa's. <laughs> <laughs> so first, Alex, so go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us how you got uh, introduced to the 10th Kingdom. Well, so uh, as Brianna said, I'm the ad guy and her husband. Uh, I was introduced to the 10th Kingdom through a roommate of mine, actually. Um, it's when I saw most of it the first time and then uh, watched all of it. Uh, with you, of course, and um, I will say I've, I'm mostly familiar with the beginning parts of the Tenth Kingdom. I've seen it all the way through, uh, maybe twice or so. So I'm more familiar with the the beginning than than the whole thing. But uh, I well, feel like uh, at the beginning. So <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, it's perfect timing. <laughs> Okay, so uh, first, our, we'll play a game. <laughs> oh, that was so great. <laughs> our first game, we're going to do Two Truths and a Lie. Well, that's our only game, so I don't have to specify that's the first. <laughs> um, two Truths and a Lie. So there's a scene, which you, I'm sure, totally remember, where Tony is in Snow White Memorial Prison, 
and um, the governor warden guy of the Snow White Memorial Prison is going to make all the prisoners clean out the junk in the basement, including the magic traveling mirror that they got there um, to the Tenth Kingdom through. So Tony, um, or Prince, overhears this and then adds Tony to the work detail for cleaning out the basement. And if you pause the DVD or Blu-ray, or if you're still watching the VHS tapes, pause those. <laughs> Uh, you can see a list of all the prisoners who were, are assigned to this detail. So we're going to give you two of the actual prisoners' names from this list, plus one that Alyssa and I made up, and then you have to tell us which is the one that we made up. All right. Okay. <laughs> and we're going to do that five times. Yeah, you'll get five, and we'll score you a best out of five. <laughs> okay, right, so I'm ready. ready I, think I, I think I can do this. Okay, I know, I believe you can do it. <laughs> it's in the first part of the movie. <laughs> it should be good to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, because I know you totally lost it. You memorized all those names. <laughs> well, we did. I mean, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, do you want to take it away for first? I will. Are we going to let him know if he got it correct or not at the beginning or wait till the end? What do you want, Alex? Do you want to uh, know It doesn't matter. You can let me know at the end and. We'll just uh, keep going with the questions as we get them. Okay, all right, perfect. So we'll go for the big reveal. Okay, so our first set of names we have Snowdrop the Troll, Gropey the Goblin, and Eight Finger Joe. Um, I'm going to say that Eight Finger Joe is the not real one. <laughs> I don't know if I can wait to reveal it. You're correct. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Well, good job. Good job. Okay, sorry. I tested these names out on my best friend, Steven, and he uh, didn't yeah. guess it. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> I feel like we're good on that one. Okay, that was your funny. next round is Big Nose Nancy, Murray the Mute, and No Eyes Eddie. Hmm. These are all pretty good. I'm going to say Murray's and Mute is not the real one. Okay, so we'll have a guess for Murray the Mute is the fake. Move on to round three. We have Lopsided Larry, Almond the and Jerry the Fairy. Hmm. Uh, I'm going to guess Almond the Elf. We had a lot of glitter ones, so um, <laughs> place that's this one's that one's the fake. Okay. All right, round four. We have Sooty the Goblin, Daisy the Troll, and Bad Fairy Mary. Hmm. What what was the first one? Sooty. <laughs> the goblin. Daisy the Troll or Bad Fairy Mary? I, I, I think I'm going to guess Sooty the Goblin. Okay. <laughs> Why that's your choice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is it because I'm laughing hysterically and I can't even say it aloud? <laughs> without? <laughs> that wasn't my reason. <laughs> Mostly because I had a hard time understanding the name at first. This is what, this is what I'm guessing. 
like you know, he got soot on you. <laughs> you know, um, out yeah, like uh, like goblins. <laughs> He's a city goblin. <laughs> okay, so that was your guess for round four. Okay, and then your last round. <clears throat> Woody Waxface, Arthur Wolf, Dicey the Dwarf. I'm gonna guess Arthur Wolf. I, I would think that Wolf is. Uh, he seems like there's not many uh, uh, other of his kind around too much. So uh, I'm gonna guess Arthur Wolf for for the fake one. Cool. Well, great job. Yeah. Okay. We'll tell you your score. <laughs> All right. So you're correct. Eight Finger Joe is one we made up. <laughs> <laughs> Your next round, you guessed Murray the Mute, but the actual one we made up was Big Nose Nancy. Yeah. <laughs> but next round, you guessed Almond the Elf, and what was our made up one? We actually made up Jerry the Fairy. Yeah. Not to our grandma's. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. um, and then City the Goblin, you got correct. Good yeah. job. <laughs> City was a good And then the last round, it was a trick round. Her. They were all three real. <laughs> we got you. But I liked your logic yeah. and your explanations. It definitely made sense. Yeah, so you got, if we take out the, the trick one, you got two out of four. So good job. Nice. 50%. Yeah, you did way better than mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to mom. We love you. Thanks for participating. Yes, thank you, mom. <laughs> um, okay, well, good job. Two truths and a lie. So now we can switch over to talking about Tony. Tony time. Tony <laughs> <laughs> Um, As our listeners might know, Tony is Alyssa's favorite. I love you, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> but Alex does not like Tony, so lay that on us, Alex. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry to all the Tony lovers out there, but I I have to be a Tony hater. Uh, he just he's selfish and just greedy and I just I can't stand him especially in the beginning uh, I mean I understand that he, he does seem to be the only one that cares about the prince uh, prince the dog um, so true but but even before that, the whole thing sticking his fish in the finger, or his finger in the fish, uh, after his whole event with the magic beans, which is its own just little can of nightmares. Um, you think he learned his lesson that messing with magic is not a super great idea. Um, after after even watching Virginia with all of the mess with the shoes, um, he just still doesn't seem to get it and sticks his finger in the fish anyway. Um, and you know, he I don't know if he knows about Virginia's like lust for the magic shoes. I guess he would just see her like on that in the boat scene, like holding them, but then like like tosses them out. So I don't know if he really knows that. But maybe not. Agree. He just immediately is like, oh, there's a fish and I could turn my, you know, everything, my heart's desire into gold. So I'm definitely <laughs> going to take that up, even though all those wishes did not turn out great. And that's how I got here in the first place. <laughs> right. And his, his immediate thought is to turn the boat into gold. And Virginia's like, it'll sink. 
And he's like, oh, well, I guess, yeah. Um, but I, th I think the most egregious thing uh, that Tony does is uh, in the beginning with the magic beans, uh, he, you know, Wolf shows up at his door, this stranger shows up at his door and is like, I need to get to your daughter. And he's just like, okay, <laughs> well, really whatever. Yeah. Uh, to which Wolf says that he will give Tony these magic beans if Tony tells Wolf where his daughter is. Uh, and he just does it. There's <laughs> no reason to believe that these magic beans are real. And he just spells out his daughter for practically nothing. Um, which is just, it's, it's awful parenting, I think. Uh, <laughs> on top of that, he just kind of expects Virginia to take care of him. Uh, like, he seems pretty incompetent uh, just to take care of himself. See, my, counterpoint, my counterpoint would be, like, he dad for most of her life and he did what he could like he's a janitor he's obviously not very educated he had wealth at one time but then hedged his bets on the wrong i guess he made the wrong investments and stuff so he had to like work and work and work he had like three jobs or whatever i think he says at some point to take yeah. care of her um but yeah then i think it, the roles switch as she grows older it seems like she's more in charge of taking care of him like when he's like what'd you fix me for dinner yeah i don't think he's like realized that. it yet though he still thinks he's in that role mm -hmm. and as far as selling her out to wolf <laughs> he could just wish for a new daughter i guess <laughs> maybe he's been banking on that but you're so right he, he really has no reason to believe wolf he's <laughs> telling the truth but that's why I love Tony because he just he goes for it, <laughs> regardless of other people. We watched uh, some of the special features and how our cat, the guy who plays Tony, um, he was talking about insight into Tony, and he said that Tony's one of those guys who thinks that if there's a rain cloud, it's going to be right over him, even if the sun is shining everywhere else. So I don't know. We thought that was interesting because he it doesn't seem like he didn't think his, his character was. Uh, motivated by greed more so than motivated by maybe like lack of opportunities so anytime he has an opportunity he goes after it almost apath apathy and not he's just yeah waiting for life to happen yeah miserable me. he yeah he'll make wishes really at uh, the drop of a hat sell his daughter the drop of a hat for the promise of more <laughs> and then turn around and make very similar mistakes yeah but as you pointed out he does like is the only one who like cares about well not the only one but he cares about prince a lot um and like making like he's invested in getting you know solving the prince plot and not just getting home really virginia's like total mo so yeah, he has room to grow i would say but i think he does over the film I agree. It does seem like he grows a bit, and um, but he still seems to have more growing up to do. Um, <laughs> like he he wishes that he can talk to friends, which I don't really know why he wishes that he's the only one that can talk to friends uh, in the first place. But that's kind of a pattern with all of his wishes that they kind of he kind of messes them up a bit. But then Prince is just like, oh, my body's he's close i'm gonna go find it and tony's just kind of lets him go and then doesn't he jumps tell out of anybody 
Well, he doesn't tell anybody that, oh, Prince oh, is going to find his true. original body. He's just kind of like, I don't know where the dog went. Uh, <laughs> oh, I think I'm blind to Tony's, like, true. faults. I didn't yeah. never even notice that. <laughs> um, well, thanks for your thoughts uh, on Tony. That is so true. Favorite character. And my apologies to everybody that, uh, that loves Tony. I just... <laughs> I guess I've been more exposed to his faults than his redemption, as the story goes. Yeah, just wait till later. He, like, totally... <laughs> the day when he, like, breaks the mirror and becomes, like, totally ostracized from the community. Yeah. <laughs> but it gets better. You'll have to check out the ending a few more times. Yeah, I need to get some more familiar with it. I think my favorite character is Wolf. Uh, Wolf makes me laugh, um, and he's also definitely a flawed character, but I feel like his redemption is more part of the main story um, and really a, a strong focus. Um, and then um, I just think the actor does a great job of, of uh, his like erratic and uh, almost bipolar behavior. Yeah. <laughs> He's very talented. Yeah. Wolf. Shout out to Wolf. Huff Puff. <laughs> well, cool. Well, thank you for joining us for again for Tony time. And You're welcome. Thanks for having me on. You're welcome. And uh, I guess all of our listeners can catch you later in our commercial section. <laughs> <laughs>